0: Thank you, Gordon, Barbara, for our music today. Welcome to those of you joining us on live stream. We're in the book of Galatians chapter 6. We've gotten to uh, message number 24, so we're (laughs) we're moving right along in this passage. And I've titled this message this morning, Helping One Another from Galatians 6, 1 through 5. We read that a minute ago in our service. In the last two chapters of Galatians 5 and 6 especially, Paul makes application to our lives, and that's important in the first 15 verses of chapter 5, he talked about standing fast in the liberty that we have from the law. And in verse 13, however, he said, you brethren have been called to liberty, and then he said, only do not use liberty as an, as an opportunity for the flesh but rather through love serve one another. And so in the remainder of chapter 5, he talked about the works of the flesh as opposed to the fruit of the Spirit. We all have these pitfalls that we can fall into, and we have to be careful uh, with both of those areas. So having said that, in chapter 6, in these first five verses, we're going to see this application is how do we help one another? How how do we help one another when we stumble? How do we help when when we see someone else stumble and we need to lift them up? After this passage, next week, beginning in verse 6, is that passage on reaping and sowing. We realize then that what we sow, we reap. And so we need to try to avoid the things we should avoid and sow the things that we should sow. Now, All applications made in the epistles, I should say, of all of them, nothing to me stands out more than those applications of helping one another. The Bible is full of these kinds of things. Consider loving one another, serving one another, forgiving one another, sharing, helping one another. All these kinds of things are applications from Bible doctrine into our lives And these kinds of things involve other people. How how do we share as brethren? Notice the first word in our text. How do we share as brethren? As I've heard so many people say, we'll try to unpack these verses. I thought thought about that one, uh, of that verse. Uh, You know how to pack things, right? You guys have been packing a truck this week. You know how to pack things. Well, you've packed a suitcase. Maybe you've packed your car or whatever. You know, some people can pack and unpack better than others. Uh, you know, I, women are better at this than men, guys. I hate to tell you this. We can, we can be going somewhere, and I look out in the bedroom, and, and my wife's got things laying all over the room and one little suitcase in the middle of the room. And I'm saying to myself, how is she going to pack that? You know, I, my suitcase is still in the closet. I haven't even opened a drawer yet. And yet, you know what? When it's all done... She's got it packed, and I'm trying to figure out what I need to take. Some people can pack better than others. As a matter of fact, she, she came up with the word this morning. We were supposed to turn on the dishwasher and let it run overnight because the water's cheaper at night. So we're, we're going to let it run overnight, and in the morning, we forgot to turn it on. And so her word was, well, we can crunch more into it. <laughs> Crunching dishes into the dishwasher. I can do that. So her word rather than pack is crunch. She has a new. So we're gonna we're gonna uncrunch these these verses. Now, let me tell you, nobody can pack more meaning into a passage of scripture than the Holy Spirit and brilliant inspired writers like the Apostle Paul. I mean, they can put it into a verse, so we will try to uncrunch what. They have put in here. I've just got two major divisions here that we're looking at, you see in your notes, and six points under them. But in my notes, I have 18 various thoughts from these verses that are all here. And, you know, we never get to the bottom of them, do we? No matter how we study and how deep we try to go or apply to ourselves, we'll never get to the bottom of, of what a, a verse says. But we're going we're gonna to try to unpack or uncrunch what we can here, all right? So notice two thoughts that I have here. One is restoring a brother or sister, restoring another believer when they fall and when they're under a heavy load. And then the second type of thought is that you need to pay attention to yourself. You need to understand how you do it. And what kind of a person you need to be. So, notice in this first part, restoring a brother in verses 1 and 2. And I have these thoughts from two things from verse 1, one thing from verse 2. The first is, what about this sinning brother or sister? Notice, because brethren we have at the beginning of the verse obviously would mean all of us. Uh, and, and so, this is the wording of the Bible, of course. And so, A sinning brother or sister, first of all, it says that this is a brother. This isn't for nonbelievers. We're talking about those in the body of Christ. We're talking about those who know Christ as Savior. The lost people really don't have a hand in this. Oh, there's lots of psychology out there. There's lots of counseling and and things written and programs made and the rest. But the fact is, the, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, uh, and he can't know them. They're foolishness to him. So when we talk about this, we're talking about us. We're talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we see a brother or sister overtaken in a fault, you who are brothers and sisters, what what do you do? What do we do about this? So first of all it is a brother. Secondly, um, uh, in this, th- this family matters, this family relationship that we have uh matters a lot you know I I watch people I see people uh run off to help their brothers and sisters their moms and dads their their sons and daughters right I do it you do it and rightfully so we should we're very close to our family so the same way that we would that we would rush to help a brother physical brother or sister a a son a, a child or something like that This is filial love between spiritual brothers and sisters. This is the family of God. And so we have an obligation to do this. Now, notice still in the first part of of verse 1, so brethren, if a man, that would be a brother or sister, of course, is overtaken in any trespass, or you might have the word fault there. They've been overtaken in something. That's an interesting word. Overtaken, well, what kind of connotation does that, does that have? Here's an interesting thing. You know that there's a word, paralombano uh, and, and parakaleo, which means to call alongside. Remember that. It's a very common word. When somebody's hurting, you, you come alongside that person. This word means to go before a person. In other words, pro lambano" instead of para-alongside. Parallel means two things alongside, but pro means up front. So here's the idea. This brother or sister has been led away the wrong path. Somebody has gone before, something has gone before, and led them off the path a little ways. They've been coaxed into sin, sometimes by themselves and by their own thinking, but sometimes by others. Linsky put it this way. I thought it was good. He said, Paul is excluding willful, deliberate sin. He deals with sins into which one may be tempted, sins that are due to ignorance, weakness, the deceptive power of sin, and then he even says the persuasion and the bad example of others. So in other words, somebody's been overtaken. Somebody got somewhere where they didn't think they would be, and now they are. And they're hurting. And so they've been coaxed into this. So, brethren, when one of your brothers or sisters has been overtaken, gone down the wrong path, took the wrong turn, did the wrong thing. And notice it says, overtaken in any trespass. Now, this trespass or fault means kind of a lapse. It means a deviation uh, to the sinner, this is carnal. or excuse me, to the Christian, this is carnality. And you as a believer or your fellow brothers or sisters can sin. We're, we're still in this body. We still have the old nature, and we can do things that are called sin. The Bible calls it in our Christian life carnality. In other words, that's the work of the carnal, of the flesh, rather than the work of the spirit. Back to chapter 5. And so when we're overtaken by something in the flesh where that has happened to us, then we need somebody to help. James 5 said it this way, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And so sometimes people just wander from the truth and wander off the path, so to speak. Now, there are those terrible, willful sins. We're not minimizing those. The Bible describes those two, which take immediate, direct, uh, sometimes even punishment for those things. But uh, I I would call these, I'm sorry, Mom, stupid sins. She never let me use that word when I was growing up, but I can now. Just stupid sins, just things that we did. Why did I do that? You know, why did I stumble in such a way? So here's the sinning brother or sister. Now, the restoring brother and sister, before we get out of this verse, the tables are turned a little more toward you and me, and we have to think about ourselves. What about the person now that's going to restore? I've got five thoughts in the second part of this verse, if you will. Number one, he, he has to be a brother or sister also. In other words, you, uh, you who are spiritual, not someone who doesn't know Christ, not someone who doesn't have the Spirit, not someone who doesn't know what the Word of God wants for a person, you who are spiritual, you've got to be the brother. And someone without the Holy Spirit just can't do this. So must be a brother. Secondly, you must be spiritual. Now, I want you to understand that means you as a Christian are qualified to do this because you are spiritual too. You are not fleshly. You are, you are not the natural man. You're the spiritual man. So uh, he that is spiritual judges all things. You that are strong ought to bear the infirmity of the weak. And so you have to be spiritual, and every believer is spiritual in that sense that you have the Holy Spirit. So if you're sitting here today and you say, well, none of these things apply to me because I don't know enough to help anybody. I'm not strong enough, mature enough. I don't, I'm not, I don't know enough to help somebody. No, God puts you in this class. God puts you here too. You who are spiritual, restore such a one. And you have the Spirit of God, so the question is, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing, is all. There's a level that you can help. Maybe not every level, but there is a level you can help. As a matter of fact, let's go on. In this same verse, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Restore. I love this word, because I like to restore things, too. (laughs) You know, maybe you restore old things. I'm gonna. I'm going to read this Greek word to me, and you tell me what English word is inside this Greek. I'm gonna read this word: kata artizo. Kata artizo. Grammarians love to point this out. You know what the word, the English word is in there? Artisan. What does, what does an artisan do? He restores furniture. What does another kind of artisan do? He builds furniture. I always say. I can't build fine furniture, but I can, I can restore it. <laughs> I, I can do something to refinish it. So this word, with the word artisan in it, is describing you as a Christian. You are an artisan when it comes to this business of, of lifting others up. Now, this word is used in a, a number of interesting and kind of fun ways in the Bible. It, it can be used of setting a bone, a bone, a, bro- a bone that is broken needs to be set. You want a good artisan to do that, right? You want a doctor or somebody who can do it right. This word is used of mending the nets. Remember when the disciples were mending the nets? It takes an artisan to mend the nets. takes somebody who knows, a fisherman, who knows what he's doing with the net. We are perfectly joined together as believers like artisans we, or a, a man who knows how to make a, a, a joint that dovetails together, that's how we are as believers. We know how to restore one another. So it's an interesting word inserted here that's used so many ways. Just as a fisherman knows how to mend a net, just, a, just as a, a, a carpenter knows how to put furniture together, we as believers need to know how to restore one another. We're artisans in that in that sense. Now, number four, still in verse one from this, but we've got to be gentle. That's, how, that's what it takes in our business of and in, in our craft is to be gentle. So notice restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. And the striking thing there is that takes us back up to verse 23 where you had that word in the fruit of the Spirit. You might have the word meekness there, meekness or gentleness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. In other words, he's applying the fruit of the Spirit that we are supposed to live by and know into our craft of helping one another. And so one of the ways that you do it is through gentleness. Gentleness. You gotta, you gotta do this like a mother, and guys, not like a father. We were talking about this, Paul, before the service. You know, a mother's just gentle. A mother knows how to help a child. You know, when you fell down when you were a kid and got scraped or cut or something, you didn't go running to dad. You went running to mom, and mom gave you a hug and she, you know, she helped you out. Now. It was true in my house. You know how ki- kids all lose their baby teeth, you know, and so all through those early years you got some tooth hanging out somewhere, and then you lose them all and whatever. And, uh, you know, you so you have a uh, loose tooth. I go run to mom. She put her arm around me. Oh, you know, you'll be okay and okay. I'm not running to dad. You know, dad says, well, let me see it. <laughs> Puts his thumb up against it. Well, it's gone now. <laughs> you know, oh, you know. Gentle like a mother. Gentle like someone who cares. Like someone who just, by putting her arm around you, made you feel better. With gentleness it is. Restore in gentleness. And then a fifth thing before we leave verse 1 is, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. You know why? Because that person who strayed off the path could be you next time. You have it in you to do this. Remember... Uh, 1 Corinthians 10 13 there hath no temptation taken you but such as is what common to man it's in you too to do these kinds of things in in Acts 14 Paul and Barnabas uh, are in that first missionary journey and and uh the 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 pagans there claimed that they were gods remember that and they were going to do sacrifices to them and Paul runs in among them and says this. He says, Men, why are you doing these things? And then he says, We also are men with the same nature as you. Or in the old version, like passions that you have. We're people too. We're the we, we can fall into faults too. So he says, Be sure now you consider yourself. And he's not done with this kind of thought. But uh, you know, it's not so much, I'm gonna keep my eyes on you. <laughs> it's more, I'm gonna keep my eyes on me. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna watch myself to make sure that I'm doing right. An artisan, folks, needs practice. If you're a woodworker, you need to work, work with wood. If you're a painter, you need to paint. It, it, you know, whatever your skill is, you don't just let it sit. You have gotta practice, you gotta keep up, you have gotta study, you gotta learn. And with us as brethren, we need to stay after this thing and consider ourselves. Have I just sat and done nothing? Have I not worked at being the kind of helper that God wants me to be to other people? An artisan has to work at it, has to keep up. So the restoring brother and sister. Now, thirdly, in uh, in these first two verses, well, we have a divine brother as an example. And that ought to help us. We kind of have a way to look. But I want you to notice here at the, at verse 2. Now, he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bearing one another's burdens. Let me take that word burden first because it appears twice if 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 you're reading the the old version it also appears at the end of verse five but in the new king james at the end of verse five it has the word load which is correct because it's two different greek words though sometimes we use the same english word they're very close to one another so we'll come back to that second word translated load for us but here the word burden simply means a weight something that's heavy something that's weighing a person down, a weight or a load, and in that sense, a burden. And you know, sometimes these kinds of burdens that people carry or, or weighted down with are, are more physical type of things. It, it can be a physical problem in your very body that weighs you down. It can be an emotional thing. It can be financial burdens that, that people carry. You're just tired. You're just spent. You're at the end of your rope. It can be that kind of a just a weight on top of you. Sometimes it can be more those inner sins, those inner carnalities that come out, anger, being offensive, being fleshly, being hurtful, being impolite, and those kinds of things that shouldn't be there in us, but they're they're works of the flesh too, and we're weighted down by that. We just can't get ourselves away from that kind of thing. Now, so some people just, there's a, there's a heavy burden on them. And so what are we supposed to do? Bear the burden. And what does this word bear mean? It's going to be twice in here, but it just means lift it, carry it. So how do you bear somebody else's burden? How do you you know, care for somebody else. I say that burdens like this are primarily caused by being alone. I'm just, I'm hurting, so I'm getting away from everybody. I'm hurting, so I'm going to run and hide. I'm hurting, so I'm not going to go to church, which is exactly where you need to go (laughs) to have somebody help you bear the burden but a lot of times it's just being alone that's why the word for comfort in the bible is to come alongside paralambano not as the word up above get out in front but come alongside come come beside somebody like that mother who puts her arm around you or or whatever you you just need to be there with them because being alone is what they don't need the word comfort, by the way, in, in the New Testament that appears so many times, is exactly that word, parakaleo, come beside somebody. The way you comfort is, don't let them be alone. Come where they are, and then whatever they're lifting, you lift too. Pretty simple. Now, we'll come back to that thought in just, in just a minute. Right at the end here of the, of the verse, if you do this, you fulfill the law of Christ? Isn't that interesting? Well, let me remind you of a couple things. Isaiah 53, surely he hath, what, borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. So the one thing Jesus Christ did for us is become a human being, come alongside us as humans to carry our load of sin, and he did it for us. Or 1 Peter two twenty four: Peter says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Let me put my body in your place. Let me, let me come alongside you and bear your sins even on the cross. So what do we do when we love one another? What do we do when we encourage one another or help one another? We get where they are and we bear their birds. Here, here's a great passage in in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and every time I start this book I did the other day, I, I come across this concept. Notice the word comfort here, how many times it appears in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, how many times the word comfort appears, that word come alongside. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who... Comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. (laughs) He does that for us so that we can do that with others. Comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. (laughs) Constantly in that passage. Just as Jesus said, I will always be with you. I will never forsake you. To the end of the age, I'm walking beside you. I'm comforting you. Turn that around and say, that's what I'm going to try to do to my brother or sister in Christ, and you will be fulfilling the law of Christ. When he just simply says, uh, you'll know, they'll know you're my disciples when you love one another, that idea of love captures all of that with each other. All right, so... Restoring a brother is what we have first. The sinning brother, the restoring brother, sister, and then even the example of Christ. But he's not going to leave us there. In the last three verses, he's going to talk about yourself. Examining, I have, yourself. And again, an emphasis has to be here on you or me so that we can do these things. And so three verses, three, four, and five, I just have three short statements. You've got to think right. Then you have to examine right, make sure you're doing the proper examination, and you have to do right. So follow, follow these thoughts, if you will. So in verse 3, if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. you got to think right. I, I love this verse that's in Romans chapter 12, you know, where we present our bodies a living sacrifice and so forth. But verse 3 of Romans 12 says this I say, therefore, through the grace given unto me, to everyone who is among you, all of you believers, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God hath dealt to every man. Not to think too highly, but to think rightly, soberly. That's why I say, think right. So you can think more highly of yourself, and when you do, you can't help anybody. You might be a person who says, I don't have any problems, and I don't want to get my hands dirty (laughs) with anybody else's problems. You may think like that. Or you may be a stumbling person who says, I don't need anybody else. I don't want anybody else around me. Think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, and you'll get nowhere with that. Because that's also caused by being alone. I can't help anybody. I don't know enough to help anybody. And I'm not that type of a person. So you you put yourself off by yourself and you never reach out to anybody else? You're thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think? But to think soberly, if I can use Paul's word from Roman again, to think soberly. Now, That word, sophronos, at that point, doesn't mean think terribly low of yourself because you can think too highly and you can think too lowly in the sense that, oh, I can't do anything. I'm worthless. God won't use me. Soberly means correctly, rightly, kind of not too high, not too low. Now, when he says anyone who thinks himself to be something when he is nothing. I don't think that means you're supposed to think, I'm nothing. I'm worthless. What it means is, if you are thinking that you're special when you're not, that's what it means. You've deceived yourself. Oh, I'm so special. I I don't need to help anybody or... You know, or you might say, I can't help anybody. Then you've deceived yourself. You can. And so, be not deceived. Thirdly, that is, don't deceive yourself. A classic passage <laughs> is in Mark chapter 7, and it is this. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own eye? I'm going to go... Uh, you know help somebody else but I've got more problems than they've got but you don't see it in yourself or how can you say to your brother let me remove the speck from your eye and look a plank is in your own eye a board sticking out of your eye classic passage about deceiving yourself into these kinds of things so Paul kind of uses it here uh, to say don't take don't think that you're not an artisan in this craft. You are. You're not too good for it. You're not too poor for it. You can do this. You can do this kind of craft. And don't be deceived. As a matter of fact, verse 7, he's going to come back to the fact, he says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. God knows you. God knows what is right about you, whether you'll admit it to yourself or not. So, he knows who you are, he knows what you are, he knows what you can and can't do. And he's not going to let you get away with less than that. So, think right, examine right. So, verse 4, let each one examine his own work. Examine yourself. The word is simply to prove or test yourself. We have it often in the scripture. Prove or test yourself. 2 Corinthians 13:5, examine yourselves whether you're in the faith. If you are, you can do this. If you, and you, you examine yourself, you put yourself in the right place so that you can do this. Secondly, I say be true to yourself. So not only let each one examine his own work, then he will have rejoicing in himself alone. What does that mean? It almost sounds kind of selfish, doesn't it? No, I think it means if you will be honest about these kinds of things, you'll be able to live with yourself. You'll be able to, to realize you're doing what God wants you to do. Maybe no one else understands it. Maybe maybe uh, you know somebody else doesn't see it, but if you do, and you know this is what God wants you to do, then you can live with yourself, I think, rejoicing in yourself alone and not in another. So find what you do with your ability to help others and you do that. Romans 14:12. Each one of us will give an account of himself before God. I'm not going to answer for you before God. Well, I do as a as a pastor that's part of part of my job too, but I mean in the sense that no, you've got to stand before you got to stand before the Lord and say I did what you wanted me to do. Or you'll have to say I didn't do it. I didn't want to do it. Before the Lord. So have that, have that self-examination. Be true to yourself in it. But at the same time, don't look for other people's praise. Don't look for their evaluation of what you know you can do. So he says, rejoice in yourself and not in another. Don't let, don't Rely on somebody else. There's a great verse at the end of Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31, 31, with the Proverbs 31 woman, you remember? And it says about her, let her own works praise her in the gates. Turn her loose, let her do what she's doing, and her works will praise her. That's all she needs. She doesn't need your praise or mine. And sure enough, she had praise. There's a, a great example in the Old Testament book of Ruth. Ruth went out there to glean in the fields for herself and her mother-in-law. She wanted to take care of her mother-in-law. She didn't care what anyone else thought about her out there. She was a Gentile girl, you know, come into Israel. She's out there uh, uh, in the fields. And uh, she just did what God wanted her to do. And it's Boaz who praised her for that. Not that she was looking for that. Not that she needed praise for anybody. But that's where the praise came from. So, so... Make sure you're doing what God wants you to do and not for the, the praise of other people. Now, one, one last verse here, and I just say do right. So here in verse 5, each one should bear his own burden. Do right. I'm going to use a, a sailing, a shipping example here because the Bible often uses these. You know, somebody said, you know what fellowship is, don't you? It's a bunch of fellows in the same ship. You know, that's what fellowship is. We're all in the same ship together. And we as brethren, as he addresses us here, you who are spiritual, we're in the same ship. You know, Jonah was in the same ship with a bunch of people, and they had to deal with each other before, <laughs> in, order, in order to calm that storm. Paul is in a ship with a bunch of different people, and uh, they had to sink or swim together. We're in a ship together as believers, both in the body of Christ and in the local church of Christ, and we have to weather the storms together. So we're together, uh, and yet each one of us has to bear his own, notice, load. Let me take that that word load first. Now this is the other word you might have you might have the word burden there if you're reading the older version but it's a different Greek word here and it's an interesting word because the word load is right you could put the word freight in there. We each have our own freight to carry in this life. It can even it could even be the word invoice. Here's what you have on board. There's a a great example of this word in Acts 21 where Paul is coming back from his last missionary journey and they're sailing back to to Palestine and uh, they land at Tyre and it says this. We, and of course Luke, Luke loved these uh, sailing analogies. He he loved these things in the book of Acts. He says, um, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre for there the ship was to unload her cargo. Or, in the old version, the ship had to put down her burden. (laughs) I can see a man that loves to be on ships and loves the sailing, and he's thinking of all the cargo as a burden that this ship has to bear. Going to unload her burden, unload her cargo. And so, what is the point of it? You and I have a fallen nature, and none of us are perfect you have the things where the devil knows he can reach you you have the things where you're led away by other people and you shouldn't be you have those weaknesses in your own mind and flesh and heart you know what your freight is now someday folks we're going to land in heaven and unload our freight <laughs> and i'm glad for that we will put it all aside uh, and and if there's one great thing about dying, it is that. Leave your freight here and your spirit is with the Lord. So we'll unload our freight, but you must bear that, your own freight. And so again, he's saying, examine yourself. What is your freight? Laziness? Kind of irritation all the time? Is, is it your your... Have too high of an opinion of yourself or too low of an opinion of yourself? I can't do this, Lord. I'm, I'm sorry. No, you can't. All of that comes from a sinful nature. We're not perfect. We all have faults. We need help. And God will give us help. So let me bring this to an end this way. Our, our tendency, folks, is who am I? What can I do? And we watch others kind of drown and watch others stumble and say, well, I've got, I've got my own problems. I, I'm too busy, or whatever it is. I'm going to leave you with one simple statement at the end of James chapter 1, where he deals with a lot of trials and, and things. And he simply says this, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, Keep yourself unspotted from the world. Visit those who are in affliction. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. And you can be the artisan God wants you to be to help other people. All right, that's where we are. Stand with me, if you will. And we're going to sing a song. We're going to think about these things. There are a lot of thoughts there that we uh, uncrunched, unpacked from Paul Uh, They all apply to us, don't they? Let's pray together. Father, uh, thank you for passages like this that sting us, prod us, that are goads to push us, but they are nails to hang our hat on. And so, Father, help us, each one. We're in this ship together. We're in this church. We're, We're in this family of God together. We have brothers and sisters, and we all struggle with these kinds of things. Help us, Father, to be that gentle spirit that comes alongside and helps other people. And help us, Father, when we need someone, to not run away but run to where we can find help. So, Father, you know how to speak to our hearts. You know what each of us needs, and so we ask that you would speak to us individually cause us, Father, to humble ourselves before you right now, to admit our faults to you, and to ask you to please help us be the artisan in this craft that we ought to be. We'll thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing a song, our invitation is always open. It is at the close of the service, too. You respond to this in the way the Lord wants you to respond. Humble yourself before him, and he will meet you there. Gordon, come and lead us.